0: Stay golden. Hurricane. Welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. We are a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token.
1: I'm Matt Rectine. I feel like it's kind of been a slow week in terms of football news, Um, especially you go into like last week. It was like everything was just rapid fire. And now it seems, you know, with the the Kevin Wilson hire, it's kind of been we've hit a, a, I don't know if a cool down period is the right term. I would say like maybe a media cool down. Like obviously he's done meet and greets. He's done like shows on different, you know, radio stations and TV station personalities around town. But as far as like any big news out of the program, I feel like we haven't, you know, like there's kind of been a, uh, you know, a dearth of information, if you will. And I wonder if that's, you know, I imagine they're doing a lot behind the scenes. Like you've got guys who are backing out of the transfer portal, but You know, not a ton happening for us to kind of analyze and talk about 100 percent, you know, like, oh, what a great hire, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, and then basketball is still is, you know, rounding out the end of conference play. So, you know, it's kind of we're just hitting that period where basketball slowly ramping up and football, which got that spike, (laughs) is kind of, you know, a little stagnant as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Back to reality on the on the football side of things. Last week was super fun, obviously with the Kevin Wilson thing, and the weeks leading up to that. I guess the basically singular week leading up to that of the coaching search and the names that were popping up, and you know, talking to Caden about those names and all of that, and the drama that came out of everything. Um, but now the decision's been made. Kevin Wilson is the guy. I think everybody is is pretty ready and willing to give him uh, every every chance in the world to impress him as the football coach, uh, and that's where I'm at too. So. Kind of feeling good. Nothing in his realm has really happened since last week. Like you mentioned, Matt, he did go on a couple shows. Um, we'll talk about one of those before, and hopefully, eventually, we'll get him on this on this podcast. Uh, but he did. He did. Um, I guess we'll start. We'll start there. Uh, he went on the Blitz 1170. And this might have been the exact day that he was hired. I think it was. I think it like,
1: was because they had like their set up at the like press conference.
0: Okay, gotcha. That makes sense because what what so this was Dan Hawk specifically talking to him, and what the information talked about there was largely the same kind of information that he relayed at the press conference. So nothing really groundbreaking here. He did talk about some stuff though, wanted to cover it real quick. Um talked about the offense, he talked about TU as a stepping stone, he talked about NIL and the transfer portal, and he talked about, you know, first first goals, right? So let's go through each of those real quick. Offensively, the question was You know, how do you see the offense changing? Do you do you feel like what you have right now at Tulsa, the players that are here right now? Do you think you can make something happen with that group or do you need to bring in a bunch of players? Right. And his basic answer was not really hoping that it's going to be a radical change for the existing players and the offensive scheme that they are moving out of with Philip Montgomery and into with him and whoever he uh, names his offensive coordinator. And that's good. You know, I think the overarching goal here, and he said this in a couple of different answers, is keep the, keep as many possible to you players from transferring as, as physically possible, right? Anything we can do to reduce the amount of turnover this year, the better. I think that is the case for a couple of reasons. One, we have good talent on the team already. We talked about that a little bit last week. There are good players on this team. Philip Montgomery did not leave this program in a, a terrible state. So there's already good talent. But two, he's at Ohio State right now and will be for the next, like, month potentially, right? And he's not going to be able to do the full recruiting rundown of everything, right? That's just not going to happen. So, like, it's better for him if he doesn't have to try to scramble and get all these guys for regular signing day, which is February 1st early signing day for football is December 21st, which is seven days from now. Um, that is, or eight days from now that is coming up quick. So he, and he mentioned he will be hitting most of the recruiting during that normal signing period, not the early period for those reasons, because he's going to be at Ohio state. So his, his idea is keep as many people here as possible. The offense will be relatively similar. If you've enjoyed this offense, obviously there will be changes, hopefully an upgrade, but nothing too drastic on offense. So that was his message there. Um, the, I think, you know, one of the more interesting questions that came out of this was fr- from Dan. He he said, you know, a lot of coaches look at, you look at TU's history. Uh, a lot of the coaches have been kind of the stepping stone job at TU. They do well here. They move on to the next thing, right? What do you think about that? And you you mentioned this, Matt, yes, uh, last week when you were talking about things he said during the press conference. And one of the comments was like, I'm 61, man. Like, I I've got time here for... One more good swing at a college football program, and that's it. You know, I'm not going to be doing this thing for another 20 years. Uh, and so I, I'm not viewing this as a stepping stone. I'm viewing this as a chance for me to lay down some roots and try to build this program into a stable position and a strong position. And he referenced the Indiana head coaching role there uh, a couple times during that answer because he took that over, and they were bad. I, we've talked about it before, like 10th or 11th for the previous three years in the Big Ten um before he got there and then he got there they went 1-11 their first year and then it was a build-up since then he brought them to -to back-to-back bowl games for the first time since 91 so really good really good stuff there obviously didn't end on great terms with indiana with the player mistreatment thing so hopefully when he references the indiana job he means everything except that last part Uh, but we'll leave that one uh there where it is i thought overall pretty solid answer on the stepping stone stuff um on the nil transfer portal uh, he it was kind of coach speak around this one. Nothing, nothing really new here. He just said, we want to be a strong program where that three-year player that sticks around at TU for three years is good enough to have all the options open to them, go to the NFL, transfer to a bigger school or whatever. They should be at that point because we should have them at the, at the point that other teams want them and that the NFL wants them. However, we want to have the kind of program where the structure and the relationship they've built here, you know, you're, you're choosing between, doing one of those, you know, shopping around, shopping your name around or staying and, you know, having that relationship with your brothers and getting that TU degree, uh, rather than kind of maybe a grass is always greener situation. So he, he said, you know, stuff around there, which is expected, but a, a pretty good answer. And then the last one were ju- the last question, at least of note, were, what are your first goals? And some more, some more coach speak here, but there was some good stuff out of it. Um, uh, it was mostly step one. Got to get to know these players. Try to convince them to stay. And we talked about that before. Like do everything we can. Show that show that we trust them. Prove to them that they can trust us as a coaching staff. And by us, he just means him right now because there's nobody else on the staff currently. Uh, he is I, he is interviewing uh, the other the existing assistant coaches. As far as I know, all of them. I don't think any of them are off the table. Um, so maybe that's what he means by us. But get to know the players. Get them to say it to you if they can. And then see what the core talent is. Uh, evaluate whether it's a good core, which I think you know. Ideally, he'll come away saying yes, because that's where I'm standing. And then recruit uh, based on those needs and based on what happens with the transfer portal. So those were the those were the big takeaways from his interview with the Blitz. Um, any thoughts on on any of that stuff, Matt? Or does that kind of jive with how you? I I know some of that stuff was kind of the same stuff he said at the press conference.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is like sounds like he went into maybe a little bit more detail um because there was somebody like specifically asking questions as opposed to him just you know giving his introductory monologue or i feel like sometimes press conferences can just kind of be uh toss-up questions so i think you know these sounds like he went into a little bit more detail which is good but nothing too surprising um you know you you like to hear the idea of you know, this is not a stepping stone. A because he's like it's like it's not a stepping stone, but at the same time, I think you know it's also he's not going to be here forever, kind of thing because he is sixty one. So whether or not he retires or something like that, like I think it's what we were all expecting, especially what I was at, coming out of that press conference is he's going to be here for you know I think his initial contract is five years. Uh, And he plans on being a competitive, not a rebuilding and then moving. Like, I think I could see this being his last college coaching job. So it's just a matter of like, how long does he want to stick with coaching? And so.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I, you know, it's just hard to imagine. Say he, you know, we went five and seven this season or four and eight. Say that he, wait, it was four and eight, right? We didn't get, or did the last one got us to five and seven? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so we got to five and seven this year and it's hard, you know, he's taken over a program from that point. Say we, you know, go five and seven next season or something, and then slow build like seven and five and then nine and three after three years or something like that. Hard to see him leaving. If if a coach wants him after that, he'd be 64, 65, to be, go be the head coach at another program at, I don't I mean, It's not impossible. People have done it. Coaches have done it before, but it's just like when you're here and the, the goal is to make a stand and prove that you one still have it as a coach and two can still build, you can build a program. Like your only other head coaching job was in Indiana and that had success. And then it kind of fell apart at the end due to the reasons we talked about already, but you want to prove yourself in a way, you know, maybe it's a retribution kind of thing. And I don't think that, you know, there's a chance he leaves. Don't want to say that it's impossible, but I'd be, I'd be surprised.
1: Yeah. I I mean, you take off 20, 20 years. Like if he's in his forties and just kind of like leads a school, like to you up through a three year of constant success and you're reaching that nine, 10 win plateau, like different story. Like there was a lot of fear, I think of Montgomery leaving after only his second year, you know, when we had that 10 win season, And then I, you know, that kind of disappeared after the rebuild took a lot longer than I think anybody anticipated. And so, you know, I, I think, yeah, people aren't really necessarily going to do unless, I don't know, the, the one way I could see it is if he takes us and it's not a rebuild and, you know, all of a sudden we are the Tulane of next year, you know, and we flip from going five and seven to, you know, we go 11 and one or something. We like have some at like amazing record for two years in a row, Mm. different situation in my mind, because then it's like, you know, you don't want to hire an older coach for a rebuild, but if you can hire a coach, that's like, if your system is in play and you just need to get across that step, that would be, I think the one way that I could see like this being like somebody trying to poach him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And that is, you know, that's a good scenario for Tulsa right? because if, if that happens, then, you know, what do we do all of a sudden? Uh, it, so let's, let's, let's say for people, a second, people that would be Kevin wanting, Wilson. Yeah. People would it, want that job immediately too. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Wilson leaves after two years. We've got a nine win season and an 11 win season, right? Who are we going to go get? I'll, I bet you at, at that point, GJ Kenny with another two years at Texas state as a head coach, assuming he does well there is uh, all of a sudden candidate number one. And like, I, you know, I know some people thought he should have been for this whole thing, but one year as an FCS head coach, it's tough. Right. And I I get it. I get why people wanted him We wanted him. We talked all about it. That is not who the admin was going for. They didn't want anybody that didn't have legitimate coaching, head coaching experience, like they, they were prioritizing power five head coaching experience. And I think had Kenny just had a couple more years, he would have been number one. And I think he's still very much on the table going forward. Um, not to look too far ahead out of Kevin Wilson, but just play in this scenario of we do so well that he, he mopes on or something after two or three seasons, then all of a sudden, you know, Kenny's back on the table. Marion's back on the table, depending on what he does in the next couple of years, stuff like that.
1: And I think that's kind of like what Tulsa fans are want or expect out of a coach, you know, not saying that Wilson is going to be that, but, you know, I think a lot of T fans like the idea of, like you get, you get the term stepping stone. I like stepping stone. I've talked about this. I talked about this with Haith, like where I didn't like that we lost that stepping stone, like feel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause you had know, Danny Manning like came in and then went and it's like, we made an NCAA tournament with that. And then, you know, we just had Haith for eight years and it all just, it kind of seemed to get stagnant. And then you look at like other co- football coaches in the past. So you know, to me, I feel like being a stepping stone program is not a bad thing in any way. Like you generally get one to two great years every cycle, which I feel like is, I don't don't know. I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah. There's, there's really no getting away from it right at a school like to you. And I know we are getting better financially and we're in a decent, we're in a, you know, pretty good conference these days and all of this stuff. Commitment to athletics is, is better, but you know, if an Ohio State or an Oklahoma or an Arkansas or, you know, one of those comes calling, you know, who, who's going to stop you? Nobody at Tulsa is going to be able to, you know, match that. So there's nothing stopping it. The thing is, whether you call it a stepping stone or not, what that coach needs when they come through Tulsa is the drive, just like the the grind of what a what the traditional stepping st- stone coach has, right? Usually a younger guy trying to make it in the industry, right? And they are doing everything they can to move up the ranks, And that's fine with me, you know, like you're saying, totally do it. Just have the energy, put the work in, make it happen. And then you deserve like, go on, do it, do your thing. The thing is like, and you can get that same energy with a retread coach. It's not impossible. It's just harder, right? They're generally older guys. A lot of times they have proven themselves elsewhere and maybe something happened where they had to move down or whatever, uh, but I don't think that's the case with Kevin Wilson, right? He got kind of booted out of Indiana due to his player mistreatment stuff, not due to anything that was happening on – I guess the player mistreatment stuff was kind of on the football field. But in terms of the record and, like, the performance on the field, that was not going in a downward trend. That was looking good. And then all of a sudden, you know, he takes his offensive stuff to OU and then Ohio State, and he does great there. I, you get the feeling, you know, based on talking – hearing him talking. I know he was just – we'll talk about Braylon Presley here in a second, but he was talking with his his dad. Um, he was talking with him, and so was Dixon and Carson, uh, about trying to get him to transfer over to Tulsa. And his dad was just talking about how, how energizing that guy is and how he made him want to put a football jersey on and get out there and play and all this stuff. You know, you love that. And from a dude who's 61, like that's exactly what you want to hear. What you don't want out of 61-year-old Kevin Wilson is this to come off as a retirement job, right? I just wanted to be a head coach again before – before you know riding off into the sunset here right and that you know he's a coach he knows what to say maybe he's just hiding it really well but that is not the feeling you get when you listen to him talk so i'm encouraged i think he does have the drive despite him being a you know quote retread i think he's got that energy that you're looking for when you want those kind of stepping stone level style coaches you want the guy to come in full of energy going to do whatever it takes to win
1: yeah agreed
0: and he's on fire. You know, you look at um, – he's got a couple of early wins. We talked about Braylon Braxton already. That happened last week. And then uh, yesterday, um, Monday, Malachi Jones, wide receiver, announced he's staying. Uh, he, he brought himself out of the transfer portal. Those are two huge wins right off the bat. Those are both two redshirt freshmen who have already contributed big time to the Tulsa program as young guys. And to have them coming back after a coaching change – that sets, and those are both, like, leaders among the younger guys and even the, the larger football team at large in general, right? So you get both of those be- those guys back. That sets a precedent for the team, I hope, that's going to get people fired up to either stay and not put themselves in the portal going forward or, more, or even more of them who are already in there to reevaluate and, and potentially come back as well. So extremely exciting. The other one on top of that, I mentioned him already, Braylon Presley. He is the new name on the block. Um, he's at Oklahoma State right now. He was a running back at Bixby. Uh, he is a big name, right there. Is, apparently, he visited to you. Is interested in transferring here. The visit went well. I mentioned he talked with Wilson and Carson, and and Rick Dixon all already. And he was, you know, he's in the portal, and he wasn't just in the portal. Like he made public comments saying he is not happy with his situation at Oklahoma State and how he's being used there. So that is an that would be an absolutely monstrous get. That is, I mean, I can't even imagine that happening. His older brother, Brennan Presley, you might remember, uh, he's at Oklahoma State right now, too. He's their leading re- leading wide receiver this year. Um, Montgomery did not recruit Brennan Presley, and this happened, like, while we were doing this podcast, and that was a topic we talked about. Like, why aren't we recruiting um, this guy? Yeah. He's right in our was backyard. That- he had expressed, this guy had expressed interest in coming to TU, like, to play here. And we, did, I, we didn't even offer him. Montgomery didn't offer him. And that was when we really started talking. The story became more of a story of we don't recruit Oklahoma enough. And that was the same story with Frank Eighth about the same time with basketball. And this was the whole thing, right? And so the Presley family apparently did not, you know, have a great um, just like they didn't think of TU highly. Not a great reputation in their mind because of all that. Because we passed on Brennan. So Bresley, uh, Bresley, <laughs> Braylon Presley, his younger brother, uh, comes through and goes to, we do recruit him. We did, we did try to get him. He went to Oklahoma state to play with his brother, understandably. Um, but I, like I said, he is, he's not happy with the situation there. He was a running back at Bixby. He did a little bit for Oklahoma state this, this year. Not that much. This would be huge, right? I'm pretty sure Daneric Prince is graduated and done. Steven Anderson, pretty sure he's graduated and done. Anthony Watkins, I'm pretty sure has another year, but who knows what his status is. I, I still haven't heard anything on him. He didn't play, obviously, all year of this year. So if if uh, Braylon Presley comes in, you've got basically an immediate running back, RB1, right? You've got Bill Jackson, who's a redshirt freshman, still coming on. And you have a sophomore transfer in Taj Gary, who didn't play much this year. And that's pretty much it. So you get Presley from Oklahoma State all of a sudden you've got the Braylon to Braylon connection from quarterback to running back. And that's a credit to the Tulsa world for that one. That was pretty nice. Um, But that would just be so nice. So that is the gotta be like a number one transfer target right now. If we can pull Braylon Presley from Oklahoma state and have him be the back, then you've got Malachi Jones returning at wide receiver. You got, um, you've got uh, Braylon Braxton coming back at quarterback. And that is like, that's those are talent pieces all coming back. And then your line, obviously, all those guys were young and got another year of experience. One of them might be transferring out, and Dylan Wade he just entered the transfer portal today, but it's looking looking pretty solid. So I am extremely hopeful that we can pull uh, Braylon Presley there. Yeah, and
1: I know it's different because Braylon um, was, you know, obviously leaving OSU already. But the I, I just view it as a if nothing at like at a bare minimum, if TU can pull somebody from OSU like that, like that's a a win just for little old TU, you know, in the backyard (laughs) of OSU and OU. And I hope that it's kind of a, you know, it becomes a precedent that we're going to fight for these guys in Oklahoma, you know, like these great players at Bixby or at Jenks or at Union, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I feel like that would be a good, kind of push because if you can if you can win somebody over who was kind of like didn't have a good taste for tu or something like that you know i feel like that bodes well for the future you know totally great Br- Braden presley is currently an eighth grader at bixby so Ooh. you know that four that four-year <laughs> pipeline for nice. recruiting you know it just it, it starts um and you know tongue in cheek and all that but i i just feel like that would be that would be like oh man i don't know it's tough because Braylon Braxton coming back Malachi Jones coming back this where does that rank i don't know it's like equally up there in my mind with those two moves it, it's tough i feel like Braylon first and then it's just kind of like uh, <laughs> it's it's a it, it would be a, an abundance of riches Totally. Like Could it.
0: not get off to a better start if he if, if Presley ends up coming here. I don't know if there's any kind of expected timeline on that announcement or anything like that, but definitely something to keep an eye on. And that is a good sign uh, for Kevin Wilson that he's even I mean, the Tulsa World was writing writing like there's a you know very high to really, really solid chance that we can we can win this thing. So we'll see. Um uh more kevin wilson stuff wanted to mention it i tweeted about this so i'll just mention it briefly um i like this podcast so i don't want this to come off on a, as an attack on them but the underdog dynasty podcast i listen to them a lot they do they're the ones they do a bunch of weird ones they have the overarching underdog Dyna- dynasty podcast but there are like sub podcasts under that but they all come into the same feed so dan morrison and emily van Buskirk could do the underdog dynasty, like AAC edition, uh, of that podcast, which comes out once a week, but along with, there's like a sunbelt and a conference USA version of it as well. And Dan, they were talking about the coaching carousel love Dan. He's a good guy. I like, I like what he does with the podcast, but like, maybe this is just my Tulsa bias here, but like he started going, he was talking about coaches that have worked out well at in the American, right. And he had just come off talking about South Florida, hiring Alex Golesh, who was the OC at uh, Tennessee, I believe. And South Florida hired him. Right. And he was talking about how great of a hire that was. He like, I put on Twitter an audio clip of him saying like, uh, you look at the offensive coordinator at who, where, what was Tom Herman doing before coming to Houston? He was the OC at Ohio state. What was uh, Scott Frost doing before he came to UCF? He was the OC at Oregon. Right. And then he literally like the next sent, And he, he was like, you know, OCs at programs that have explosive offenses, they usually work out in the American. And that's how he ended. And the next sentence was, okay, on to Tulsa. Uh, Kevin Wilson, bad hire. <laughs> it was like a horrible hire. I was like, what? Okay. Where does this – please connect the dots for me here. And so his argument – you know, he said bad hire, and then he explained himself. He didn't just end it there. Um, but his first point was 26-47 and 47 at Indiana, right? Okay. You know, that's just not... – it just doesn't work for me. Look at Indiana – Look at their football history: three winning seasons since '95. They like, like I said, we we talked about it already on this podcast. Again, Wilson brought them to back-to-back bowl games for the first time since 1991. Three winning years since '95. That is not a place you go and win, despite the kind of head coach you are in the Big Ten. It's just not going to happen. So that I, mean, I, don't, yeah. I don't. If you, any, regular matchups against Ohio State,
1: Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, like that is not. It's very different than what you're going to get in the AAC.
0: Yeah. And you're, you're Indiana. I mean, it's just, it's just not gonna, I mean, I'm sure there's a way to do it, but nobody has been able to crack that nut, you know, in forever, basically. It's just hard. So that was number one. Number two, uh, he was obviously upset about the, you know, player mistreatment. He called it abusive players, which he then said was kind of harsh wording. Maybe not that, maybe not that, but Um, yeah, not going to defend that one. That's not good. And it seems like he has turned that around. Haven't heard any, you know, that never heard about that at Ohio State in his six years there um, after the Indiana stuff. So, should be fine. Uh, And then he starts going down the whole thing of like, oh yeah, (laughs) G.J. Kenny took Texas State over you and Oden, Barry Odom took UNLV over you. And those did not happen. Like, like we have, I don't want to say the, you know, the stupid term of sources, but like people we are talking to that know this stuff, that is not what happened, right? Kenny did not pick Texas State over us. We were very obviously targeting coaches that had Power 5 head coaching experience. G.J. Kinney and Brendan Marion were interviewed for the job, did not make the finalist list. And so Kenny moved on, took the next job. That was Texas State. That's how that happened. Odom did make it further. He was in that, I don't know if he was a finalist, but he was certainly made it way further down the road. And we just didn't give it, Wasn't that wasn't the number one choice, right? And I think we made that clear to him that Wilson was number one and we wanted to go with him. Yeah, and the only other Odom, thing was, Odom
1: wanted the job way like way more than we wanted him is what it seems like.
0: Yeah, nobody wanted. <laughs> yeah, I I think I put that on Twitter. It was just like nobody wanted. No, no. Ellie's Tulsa fan on Twitter, our little sphere, uh, was talking like you guys are crazy. Odom's great. No, nobody said that. Everybody, nobody wanted Barry Odom. And then the last point was uh, literally saying he's the only one they could get, which is just oh my god, that is just a. You're just saying that if you just like like to hate on TU, that is absolutely not true. I mean, it's just not the case at all. And I get, like, a lot of the people we talk to that are, like, college football people that have podcasts and write blogs and stuff, they all listen to the Split Zone Duo podcast, which I understand is a big, popular college sports podcast. That's fine. And they did not like this hire. That is not the end-all, be-all of, like, what makes a hire decent or not, right? It just feels like everybody's repeating the same stuff they heard on Split Zone Duo just because one person said it and they feel like they're a knowledgeable source. Just do some digging on your own. Give it a shot. I promise you it's not that bad of a hire. If we, you know, go 0-12 over the next, you know, we don't win a game for the next three years and also Kevin Wilson is abusing players in his spare time, then yeah, sure. Then I'll obviously eat my words and I'll shoot you an apology, Dan Morrison and Split Zone Duo guys. Uh, but that is, not, I, you know, I obviously, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so yeah, wanted to address that one because it, it made me mad on a happy Sunday, Sunday afternoon uh, and kind of uh, got me going. So there you go. Uh, okay. Let's see anything else on, uh, on Kevin Wilson, Matt, I, we probably won't talk about him We're pro- as, as we, you know, the podcast goes on getting going to get more into basketball, like in the coming weeks and months, obviously basketball season gets going. Um, like I said, we want to have him on the show. So if that happens, obviously we'll be talking all about him. Um, but until then, I mean, it's going to get into basketball stuff here soon. So any, any last yeah. thoughts before we kind of switch gears?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I guess it's just kind of, uh. Um curious again and i don't know if there's anything to talk about like but when are we going to hear you know coordinator announcements coaching yeah. hirings things like that you got to expect that's kind of because you know those positions are so vital to recruiting in general totally um, not only recruiting you know new players into the program but i feel like you know recruiting your own guys because a lot of the guys on the team had relationships with old coaches etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know, I've got to wonder if that's coming down soon or, you know, what the expectation there. But, you know, again, not really anything we could say other than pure speculation, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more um, down the road. And I imagine probably have... Rick was talking to me about wanting to come on sometime in January, so I'm sure we'll be talking to him again, not, All right. before, you know, before too long. Um, But, yeah, no, nothing about Kevin Wilson. I... I do just like the idea and we were kind of, you know, you talking about the um, underdog dynasty kind of stuff and just like, you know, AAC coaches. It, I just kind of wanted to highlight that like it is insane how many new coaches or like both in schools that are staying, but also like the new schools coming in. I feel like so many coaches are like new now and it's just wild. And I just want to kind of gripe for a second about uh you know coach N at uh Navy getting fired. <sighs> Don't know A if I agree with it and B the way it was handled so terrible. Like I was reading did, did you read anything that he like the ESPN article that came out yesterday about he kind of like talked about how it went down?
0: No, absolutely not and you should send that to oh. me because I did not even know that existed. Yeah, no. So it was,
1: uh, what's their athletic director? Chet Gladchuck. Chet Gladchuck. Yeah. Who just sounds like one of the worst people to interact with. Um, just based on how he treats people and everything that I read, but co- coach, uh, Neomatalolo said, you know, he was sitting in the locker room, he, you know, he was the first one in the locker room after the game, uh, you know, just kind of like decompressing and like, hadn't talked to the team yet. And Chet came up and said, all right, you're done. Like, just fired him right there immediately after the game. And just like, it just seems like he, I, I feel like after last year with, you know, firing his offensive coordinator without telling him or things like <laughs> that, it really seems like he was trying to, uh, you know, just tank the program in a way. And I think a lot of people know that they butted heads and like did not get along. So I guess it's not surprising. I'm just like, I feel like it's going to be rough going for Navy potentially in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I mean, there. I don't know, man. It. Uh, I agree. It feels. I. I don't. Maybe they have some master plan in mind where they they felt like they got a rock star candidate that's totally going to do it. But you know, I, I see Mike James, our our Navy friend, tweeting on. You know, he's been covering them for forever. Right. He knows more about them than any than anybody I know about the Navy program, and he obviously he is absolutely not a fan of this move. The only, I, I, you know, you see all these names thrown around. I saw the athletic had a list of possible names. The only one on the existing staff that I think would make, that would be fun. And I can't remember if he was on the athletics list or not, um, but that was the DC Brian Newberry. And he is always the name that when you're talking about Navy, when you don't hear about Ken, you hear about him, at least in the last couple of years, because ever since he took over that defense, they have skyrocketed in terms of what that defense can do. So he would make some sense to me. And I actually do like, I like him and that would be cool but if you're gonna i mean if the idea is you got to fire the head coach because there are system systematic problems how are you how are you going to convince the fan base that like you know what you're doing when you hire the dc with the same program so i don't know i mean that that maybe is a decent move like it might end up well if they end up making that it just logically it doesn't really connect for me uh, yeah i i feel
1: like it's just, you know, you kind of expose yourself that it wasn't really a system, systemic issue. It was kind of a, it, that just makes it seem like a control issue at that point. Yeah, right. Because, you know, the other is, are you going to keep the offensive coordinator that you fired last year um, once yeah. already, who is like a mastermind of the triple option offense?
0: Or like, you know, like where are you going to well, get? Who are you talking about there? Because, Jasper was the OC. He became he was an offensive coordinator this year. He was like QB coach, quarterbacks coach. Okay, yeah. yeah. So are you going to keep
1: him around or? You yeah, know, I don't I, think there's no way he's, he's being kept around. I feel like you know you have such a small pipeline of candidates that you can hire for a triple option specific offense. Totally. Like you have the academies, and then you used to have uh georgia, georgia tech, tech. you don't anymore yeah unless they're going back
0: wasn't isn't georgia southern also do they do i don't know there's like a, i think there's like another georgia team maybe they used to be in oh no they used to be because that's where willie fritz came from isn't wasn't yeah. he at georgia southern before Tulane?
1: i i think he was were they did they run the triple option while he was there
0: i don't remember i don't know maybe yeah. i'm mixing this up but i, I feel like Otherwise, that is you like know watch out case.
1: Tulane lane might come
0: calling <laughs> yeah yeah true that would be wild. Yeah, there's no way. After yeah, all the a, drama they, they already gone yeah, through. they already had the the scare with Tac, <laughs> so. Yeah. just wild, man. Um yeah, it is weird. I mean, I don't know what Navy's going to do, but like like you were saying, uh it's what's the stat here? Six new teams coming in, seven new coaches of the what well, that's half the league. There'll be 14 that, teams in the league next year. Seven of them. Seven before or after. No, seven including the incoming coaches. Okay. Yeah. So well, seven of the Na- 14 with Na- teams with the Navy. Um yeah. That includes Navy. Okay, okay. Yep. 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 Um, just wild. going to be, <laughs> obviously you've got three teams leaving. So the, the whole like complexion of the league changes so dramatically after this season, it's going to be really weird. I don't know. It's going to be, f- I mean, f- plenty to talk about throughout the football season and everything, but just bizarre. I like the, I like the American. I like the conference. I like the co- conference. I like the coaches generally who have come through here. They've been fun. They've been exciting. Not that these guys aren't. It's just, you know, there's so many new ones at once. It's like I don't even know what to think. Some of the, some some them are really small, weird too,
1: like Trent Dilfer.
0: Trent Dilfer is weird. Biff Poggy at, at Charlotte was like a uh, insurance like salesman a couple of years ago, and then got back on Michigan's football staff. Uh, just really, really bizarre stuff. Yeah, some old friends though. You know, Tom Herman's coming back. Tom Herman, um, he's coming back. That's actually, I mean, I know you know Tom Herman's kind of an asshole, and people don't really like him, but he is fun it, to have like hire. in your conference. So like, I think it, I think it's cool that he's he's joining again. So oh uh, there was
1: oh, yeah, and then the I think I saw I was reading something about UNT's uh whoever I don't even remember his name, but they're old. Football coach? coach? Yeah South trail. Yeah, and that he there was like a flight from uh Denton to Tuscaloosa as he was interviewing for the Nick Saban school of coaches that <laughs> coach too good kind of
0: thing. Was he um, really? That's funny. I did not see that. I don't know. Did you see who actually... they did you see who they hired today? the
1: Alabama or no UNT?
0: UNT North Texas. No, who they hired Eric Morris, who we talked about a little bit for the Tulsa job. He was the incarnate word guy before GJ Kinney, who actually like built that program up. So, I mean, seems like probably a good hire for them. I don't know his, obviously he was at incarnate word, so he's got the Texas tie. Uh So it feels like a good fit. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see next year. I don't know.
1: I'm all, I feel like it's a good time. I I feel like I talked about this last week. Good time to, you know, have a coach transition kind of thing. So,
0: yeah, totally. that feels like why why everybody's doing it. They're like, oh, new conference. That means we've got this like weird opportunity to fire our coach. If we have any inclination of ever doing that, that's what we're going to do. That's what it feels like. Very weird. Yeah. Well, and I feel like the AAC kind of feels like they are at the
1: top of the pecking order in terms of, you know, getting that playoff spot you know with the playoff expansion you know this year you'd have two lane in it and i think what four of seven if not five of seven it would have been the aac conference champion i think the only time yeah it is five it of seven wouldn't be is like central michigan and oh i can't
0: even remember the other one at this point yeah me either i mean we've had it like four straight years now i mean something like that It's it's pretty wild Yeah, Um, pretty cool. Um, Yeah, so last thing for a touch on the transfer portal real quick. I know we mentioned uh, signing days briefly for football. I just want to reiterate those. Early signing day for football is December 21st. So that is literally like eight days away, next Wednesday, a week from either today or yesterday based on when we put this uh, episode out. And so that's going to be intriguing for us. I I don't think we're going to have much movement for early signing day. Regular signing day, and that's what Kevin Wilson has talked about much more, february 1st so that's the bigger day to keep an eye on if you're a tulsa fan for when we make some more moves happen there um for and just because we touched on signing day if you want to know the basketball days as well the early period already happened that was november 9th we got if you remember three guys jared hall a 6-8 shooting forward that is the dude who's like number one player in tennessee a huge get all that stuff uh carlos williams 6-6 small forward and then uh, Matt Reed, a 6'9 center. So a bigger guy there uh, by an inch, but also bigger in terms of fight, but also bigger in terms of like heft and weight. Um, so three three big gets already with the early period. The regular signing period for basketball is April 12th. So we've got quite a while until then. Okay, um, last thing on football. Wanted to look at the transfer portal, see where we're at recently. Um, pull this up. You can see everybody who is currently in there for, for Tulsa, and there's a good chunk of them. Um, just run through them real quick, going from youngest to oldest. Those are two freshmen. We've got an offensive lineman, Ramsey Cifolo, and a freshman running back who, Matt, you you have talked about. Cookie Desiderio, he is in the transfer portal, unfortunately, uh, the Cookie Monster, as the we were monster. as yeah. we were hoping to dub him. But we never got to see him in the Tulsa uniform unless he comes back, which I think is – when you're a freshman running back who has never seen the field – the chances that a big time program picks you up are so small, right? So there's a very strong chance. I mean, I don't blame him for putting his name in there. That's like Kevin Wilson talked about this too. But your name in. See what happens. You know nothing nothing wrong with that. You got the coaching change, all this. But it's just a tough situation when you're uh when you're a freshman guy who didn't get any game time. So, we'll see what happens with the freshmen, but two of them in there um sophomores also two of them uh dylan wade just entered his name today starting offensive lineman for us got a ton of power five offers right off the jump uh including from phil montgomery's new spot at auburn so interesting there would not be surprised if he winds up going to play for Monty again um the other sophomore is another offensive lineman chris akbaragini and i think he played a little bit this season offensive line never paying as much attention to unfortunately so i don't know that for sure but pretty sure he saw a little bit of time so there you go with them uh, we have three juniors in there. Those are our corners, Kenny Solomon, Punter, uh, Lachlan Wilson, and safety Kendaren Ray. Uh, they've all been in there for a little bit now, haven't seen any movement on them yet. Uh, Kendaren Ray is tied to some Arkansas rumors, so we'll see um, if that ends up happening. I had a friend who was very involved with the athletic department over there say they have cooled on him, so maybe he'll come back to Tulsa if Arkansas doesn't actually shoot him an offer. We'll see. Um, but he's got another, at least one year of eligibility, if not two, uh, Lachlan Wilson, Kenny Solomon mentioned both of those guys. Lachlan, it seems like people think he's going to go to Cal. Honestly, that would be kind of cool. I mean, I wouldn't blame him. Uh, he's from Australia. You know, I don't know if he has any tie to California, but like, you know, you want to go see America, go, go he's check got, out California. He's got the long hair. He's got, well, actually that, he cut it. Tire. Remember?
1: Yeah. I mean, no. Yeah. He got he rid can, of that mullet. He but He can it, grow back. He can get it back. For yeah. <laughs> and i i feel like lachlan was a one of a like of those three he was the latest like or the yeah the most recent to go in and i feel like guys who put their name in the portal after the kevin wilson hire i feel like are less i am less confident that they will come back i don't i don't yeah. know if i'm not like confident but like to me it's like okay you saw the the higher you probably talk to the coach. And so it's like these, those ones are, I'm like, okay, they're, yeah, they're they're gone kind of thing.
0: Most likely. Although like when you've got Kevin Wilson saying things like two of the, two of the players, like, Hey, you know, check it out. Go, go for it. I, I totally understand. Just like give us a reasonable chance of coming back. Then I'm, I, even after he's the coach, if those are the words he's saying, I don't blame anybody for putting their name in, but I, I agree. It's less likely that they come back than the guys who immediately after Phil Montgomery got fired put their names in. Now they've gotten to talk to Wilson and they're already coming back. I do think the more players that like start coming back, like Malachi yesterday and all this, that's if we have another like big one like that, or if Presley announces for Tulsa or something happens in that direction, the likelihood that some of these guys stay is obviously higher because that's momentum, right? So hopefully something like that does, that does go down. Uh, The last two still currently in the portal were seniors, two seniors, Anthony Goodlow and Davis Bryn. Um, not sure. I saw a rumor for Anthony Goodwill, Goodlow, but I can't remember what school that was tied to. So I'm not going to have a guess there. And then I have no idea where, where Bryn might end up. Um, lots of options. I mean, he's obviously got the Texas ties. I'm sure he kind of wants to stay somewhere close to there. Oh, you know what? Just popped in my head. Goodwill, Goodlow was also tied to Oklahoma state. Uh, people were rumoring that happening along with Justin Wright, who's already, who's already, uh, decided on that one. But Bryn, I'm sure there's rumors out there. I just haven't seen him. Not sure where he's at. And that's everybody that's currently in there. Everybody else has either returned or already made their decision. Those are Justin Wright, who has already decided he's going to Oklahoma State, and then uh, the guys we already mentioned, Braylon Braxton, the quarterback, and Malachi Jones, uh, the wide receiver. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. Briefly, last thing. I know we already talked about it, but Phil Montgomery. I think this this was over the past week, so I don't think we talked about it uh, last week. It's, during last week's podcast, but he has a new job. He is the new offensive coordinator at Auburn where he will be the OC for their new head coach, Hugh freeze coming over from Liberty, kind of weird situation. Hugh freeze is a, not a great dude. Just like in general, his reputation, you know, he got in trouble at the, the big thing came out of his tenure at Ole Miss, right? One, it was like started off. It was just like a double duo of bad things happened to him in a row. Uh, or not happened to him, but he did bad things twice in a row. It started off with recruiting violations, got in trouble for those. Um, all this drama came out. They, the admin, like the current Ole Miss administration, tried to blame the previous administration, and their head, previous head coach Houston Nutt, saying that all, all that stuff happened during his tenure. Houston Nutt, then, like counter sued them for defamation and all this, so they started looking into it. While they, while while Houston Nutt in the previous administration was looking into what Hugh Freeze was saying and try to counter sue them. They found even more dirt on Hugh Freeze, which was that he, this was the bigger story. He used his work phone, his work phone to call an escort service. <laughs> and like they found the calls and it, there was like a trend of this happening over months and months from the work phone. And that obviously blew up. And then he was essentially forced to resign or be fired. Um, and so he resigned from all miss and among all of that stuff. That was a while ago. He took some years off. Uh, got back into coaching at Liberty after a few years um, doing nothing or whatever he was doing and uh, you know, did, did well at Liberty. They went 10 and one a couple seasons ago, eight and five last year, eight and five or something again this year. Um, And now he's taking the Auburn job. So, you know, generally, I don't know the guy personally, obviously, but you know, not a great looking resume when you're coming off of some of that stuff. Uh, But Hey, I'm happy for Philip Montgomery. That is a good job. Being offensive coordinator at Auburn, That's good. I mean, I don't know what they're going to pay him there. I mean, it could be more than he was making as head coach at at Tulsa for all I know. I don't know. Maybe that's totally wrong. Um, I don't know. I I don't know at all what a school like Auburn pays their OC. I can find that out right now. It's public school, but I just don't know off the top of my head, Uh, but good for him. I think it's a good, it's a good landing spot. Um, doesn't have to move too far still in the south still knows the area he's the, also the quarterback's coach there which I feel like he's gonna love and he's a, like obviously he's a good offensive coordinator what he did at Baylor was awesome what he did here for some years was awesome and I do think he can have success when he just focuses on the offensive coordinator side of the job right rather than having to be the head man and run everything and play and call the plays I think that was maybe just too much uh, on his plate. And I think if you narrow that back down to just offense and let him do his thing, would not be surprised if if they do really well. Okay. Um, all right. That is everything on football. Uh, you good to move to basketball here, Matt?
1: Yeah. I was just looking up the, uh, the previous uh, AAC coach to go from head coaching position to offensive coordinator at
0: Auburn um immediately like from a head coach in the AAC to OC at Auburn not head coach at eight so he went
1: head coach AAC bigger job fired Auburn oh Chad Morris yeah yeah that was just like in my head while (laughs) while
0: you were talking about it nice that is funny no I didn't think about that at all that's a good that's a good call uh yeah so basketball one and one last week. We'll start with the men. We'll get to women after this. Uh, one and one last week on the men's side. Unfortunately, lost to number two hundred and two in Ken Palm Detroit Mercy, and then beat number two hundred and eighty two Central Michigan. So two Michigan teams coming home to the Reynolds Center, and we come out of that with a one and one record. Obviously, should have had a two and zero coming out of that. We were better than both those teams, um, at least in terms of Ken Palm, and I would argue just in terms of talent on the team. Detroit Mercy's got some good players. Uh, that one dude, Antoine Davis was like the NCAA, one of the NCAA's leading scorers of all time. We talked about him in the preview last week, uh, but he was not their best player in this game. Their best player in this game was Gerald, Gerald Liddell. And he absolutely just smacked us 27 points, 12 rebounds. Four of those were offensive rebounds for him and three block shots. Just couldn't stop that guy. Uh, and he, he's what did it to us. We lost that game 76 to 72, And it was back and forth, you know, a lot of the game, but it was, it came down to rebounding again. I mean, this is, you know, Eric Conkle talked about this kind of a trend we, and he mentioned what his quote, I think was our first shot defense is very good or like good enough. It's it's good. Right. The problem is we give up second and third shots way too often. And that's a problem. And those second and third shots, they're coming off rebounds, which means you're you're usually shooting them right next to the basket, which means they're usually going in. So obviously, not what you want. Rebounding still a problem. Um, the plus side here: Brian Seligange double double in this game. Seventeen points, ten rebounds. Half of those were offensive rebounds. Awesome from him. Also, we didn't turn the ball over as much in this one as a team. Just eleven turnovers in this game, which is perfectly satisfactory. Unfortunately, almost half of those again were from Anthony Pritchard, who just he had a bad game over just in general. It was not a good one from him. Four points in this one from AP. Five turnovers, like I said two for six from the field despite 33 minutes played. You just need more out of the guy. I know he's a sophomore. He's still young. And he, fortunately, he did have a better game against Central Michigan. We'll talk about that in a second. It was, it was notably better in that one. But, man, I mean, you're playing 202 Detroit Mercy. That's not a team you should be turning the ball over five times against when you're the starting point guard. And I know he's he shows that he's got the talent. I You see it. You watch him in person. He's clearly... He's got the swagger and the the clutch plays in him. But this some of the stuff, man, it's just it just kills you.
1: Yeah, I and I was just trying to like think back and I haven't done a deep dive into last year, but I feel like there's just more obviously I guess it's because you know he is the point guard this year uh as opposed to last year, you know, where he wasn't running a ton of it as a freshman. And so, you know, I feel like that's kind of part of why it just seems seems isn't the right. Like it's just a lot more turnovers this year and he's struggling a little bit, but like, I've just got to, I feel like to me, I kind of expected this in terms of like, you know, there's going to be down before he goes up before I think Conkle is going to be able to like coach him up more. I figured it might be a little bit harder and that kind of seems like what it's been. It's just, it's frustrating because I, I feel like he's just, he's more talented than what we've seen, um, which just makes it like all the more frustrating to see him struggle at this point.
0: Yeah. And he, he makes good plays, you know, it's just the turnovers. I don't know. That's mostly what it is, right? He he didn't play well offensively in this game, but he did play pretty well offensively in the next game against Central Michigan. And he's played relatively well offensively in other games. It's just gotta take care of that ball. Like just gotta value it more. Gotta value each possession. I know that's something Eric Conkle talks about a lot. So I'm with you. I, I you know, I still think he will end up being a, an extremely good player for Tulsa in the long run was just hoping for a little bit of a bigger jump off the bat here with some of the weaker non-conference games, but yeah. it's not going to get easier. Like we get into conference play and every team is way better than some of these teams. So, uh, it's, except for East Carolina, lost. they're,
1: they're, not, not, they're not that good. What Houston just lost. They can't be that. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They did. Um, um yeah, good. Well, yeah. And I was just going to say like, yeah, cause if you can just get the turnover, like you look at his turnover rate like right now it's 36.6 Um, But then you look at his assist rate, like 21.1, which is top, you know, within the top 400 in the country. And so if he can just bring that turnover ratio down a little bit, I mean, it's just going to be, I feel like there's going to be a huge upswing in just our offensive production because he's already showing that he can, you know, turn these, create buckets. And so if we just get rid of the turnover, it's just going to, I mean, you know, Down one, skyrocket the other. So, Mm -hmm. because you look at Betson, Betson is twenty point six, which puts him like also just just at the cusp of top top four hundred in the country in terms of assist rate. Uh, And then his turnover rate is only fifteen percent, which is you know less than half of Pritchard's. And so it's Mm -hmm. like you do that, all of a sudden I feel like Pritchard's becoming you know a top three hundred or better like just in terms of assist rate alone
0: yeah i, I mean i like him as a player again i, I think he's good and i'm with you I, I think he will come around um so we'll see we'll see what happens he did play like we mentioned he played better in, against central michigan he had like the clutch shot in the central michigan game to kind of ice it to put this thing basically over the over the edge of what they could come back from really nice like turnaround fadeaway jumper from the baseline and man, that was sweet. And he, he may also, I think just a few possessions before that took a really, a really, really nice charge while central Michigan went on a, was going on a little bit of a run. They had, we had just turned the ball over and gave them another, another shot. And then Pritchard gets it, gets a charge taken. And, and all of a sudden we kind of kill that momentum and take the ball back over into our own hands. And so he makes plays. He's a good player. Um, it's just coming with the territory here of youth and the new coaching staff may be in I think maybe it'll 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 turn around here pretty soon. Um, against Central Michigan, we did hey out rebound somebody. Look at that, thirty four rebounds in total versus thirty three to Central Michigan. So that is uh, a win, I suppose. And we also won this game, seventy to sixty three. Uh, so that's a win. That's nice. That is our third of the year. Brings us to three and six overall. Um, by the way, we are now number one hundred ninety five in Ken Palm and number two hundred thirty five in the net. Both of those are lower than they were. Last week, so not great, uh, but to be expected when you lose to the number two hundred and two team, unfortunately. Uh, but that's how it goes. That's how things are going. Um, are they 2-1-1? On they were literally two hundred and two like three hours ago when I took this uh, when I took this note down right before the show. Yeah, so that is they're, crazy. they uh, are they, ju- climbing, the <laughs> climbing. Watch, watch out for Detroit Mercy man on the up. Um, but yeah, this this game, Central Michigan, good game, balanced game overall. You look at the scoring in this one. No one really went off on either team, honestly, but especially on Tulsa. It was Keyshawn Emery Simpson and Sam Griffin, both 13 points. Tim Dalger had 12. Um, did not shoot the ball very well, but he did get to the free throw line quite a bit. So that's where most of his points came from. Uh, Brandon Betson and Brian Salabonga both had eight points in this one. So no real, like, nobody was absolutely balling out like we've seen a few times from Griffin or Betson or Salabonga or, or things like that. Um but everybody, you know, played pretty well, which is not a bad thing. That, that's kind of good. Some, you want to have balanced scoring generally. Obviously, it's nice if you have the, like, the dude who's just going to take over the game for you. Uh, but when you don't have that, it's nice to have, like, four other people also step up in their place and and get some meaningful minutes in the, in the game here. So that was nice to see. Um, you know, we talked about him plenty already, but another four turnovers from Pritchard in this one. However, th- some of those were early. He got taken out of the game. Shook it off, came back in, played a good rest of the game. We talked about his clutch shot and taking the charge late in that one. Um, so, overall, improved game for him compared to Detroit Mercy. And then the other one, um, Charles Chuku. That dude had a stretch of plays in this game that had me off the couch shouting, like actually happening. The guy, one, he's a big, strong dude, right? He doesn't score very much, but you look at him on the court, he is massive. He is a big. He is extremely strong. And he just yammed one on someone. A huge dunk. Like powerful dunk. Got the relatively small amount of fans in that gym up and moving. And then literally the next possession, like the follow the, Central Michigan has the ball. We're on defense. They're running down. He blocks the crap out of this ball into the like the third row of the stands, right? So two, and this is like you know, like I'm saying, a big, long, strong guy. And that was a full-fledged, like arm all the way back block out of the out of the stands. So extremely cool one-two punch there from Chuku. And I know Celabanga's been the better and more consistent and just he plays more, obviously, big man than Chuku, but I wouldn't especially I don't know what Nikita Konstantinovsky's injury status is. I don't know when he's coming back or whatever. I don't even know how bad the injury is. But if he's out for longer and Chuku keeps getting a little bit better over time here, we'll see. I I bet we'll see a lot more of him because he didn't play that much in this game, but he has some pretty good minutes in this. And so hopefully, you know, hope, hoping we see some more like that. Tim Dahlia, by the way, also monstrous dunk much earlier in the game in this one, uh, but some, but some fun stuff out of this game.
1: Yeah. I'm just going through and seeing, you know, how many games have we had somebody get two blocks, which I think is just, uh, like Sele has done it at least once and I think only once. And so I mean I just yeah you look at a stat line Chukwu Chook. So I always thought it was Chukwu but it's Chuku.
0: That's how I thought before hearing announcer say it, but literally every announcer says Chuku and they usually get like a list like a piece of paper with the pronunciations next to their name. And so I have changed to saying Chuku because I think that's right.
1: Yeah. But like thirteen minutes, yeah. So he's done. He did it. Thirteen minutes, two blocks, a steal, uh, with that. With just the dunk, and then has had a single two block game. And so yeah, I mean, put him in. He is effective, like as a defensive. Like he had one bucket and had a two hundred offensive rating, like because <laughs> yeah. of all the other stuff he was able to do.
0: That is so, so funny. Oh my gosh! But just like just keep it up. I did not see that rating. I, it's just like I, a 200 doesn't even like register in my brain. How do you even get that high? I never see anybody with a 200 rating on Ken Palm. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, all you need is to be Charles Chuku and have your alone points be an absolutely we massive We have five of him on the court
1: and we are just nobody. They're not scoring. We're yeah. scoring 200. It's yes. good
0: night. Yes. Good night Very nice. Moon. Very nice. Uh, yeah. So I think we forgot to do this last couple of weeks, but we should also do player of the week for basketball. Um, so I can start with this, Matt, if you want me to, or, or you can, if you've got one hot on the top of your head here,
1: uh, no, I'll let you kick it off.
0: Okay. I am going with Bryant Salabonga, who I feel like it, th- nobody had an obviously consistently the best player, both games this week. Bryant was pretty close, right? He had his double double against Detroit Mercy. Played really well in that game. That was where – I'm pretty sure he had – let me pull up his stats again. Yeah, he did have 17 in this one. Eight for 10 from two. Obviously, he's not shooting threes out there. He is just – and he had the 10 rebounds. So, you get the double-double on a great stat line. Extremely good game from him in this one. He follows that up with a solid game in his own right again over – you know, he was at 125 offensive rating in this one, 150 against Detroit Mercy. Uh, Four for seven from the field against Central Michigan – um, five more rebounds looking really good, you know, two steals in this game and consistently, you know, and we've talked about him being kind of our most consistent player in past episodes, but he just continues to do that. That is made evident more so by the fact that they keep putting out these cane of the week awards every week based on how they do in practice for the week. And you look down this list. It is just absolutely insane. Let me, let me read it to you here. I'll go, there's been 11 weeks. Um, I'll stop after, I'll, I'll take a pause at week five. So Tim Dalger, week one winner, week two, Nikita, week three, Bryant, week four, Tim Dalger, week five, Sterling, Guess, and Chapman. Okay. So pretty spread out, you know, Tim Dalger has two, he's leading the pack at that point in the season. We're at week 11. So we've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, 11 to cover here. Those weeks go as follows. Week 6, Bryant Salabonga. Week 7, Brian Salabonga. Week 8, Sam Griffin. Week 9, Bryant Salabonga. Week 10, Brian Salabonga. Week 11, Brian Salabonga. Five of the last six weeks, he has been the cane of the week, according to the metrics that they track at practice, right? And that is effort, it's diving, it's passes, it's hockey assists, it's points, it's shooting percentage, it's everything, right? And so he is winning this award literally every, basically every week. Five of the last six, like you said. Uh, that is just insane. So I, you've got to give it to him after this stretch of uh, Kane of the Week award wins. And he looks like it. The guy, he's just a good player. He's not extremely great on the defensive side of the ball, and I think you know he probably knows that. But offensively and in terms of what he brings to the table in terms of size and rebounding and scoring, that guy's got everything else. Just got to shore it up a little bit on the defensive end, and that is a hell of a player.
1: Yeah, so my player of the week, I'm going to go with the leading scorer for Tulsa over these two games, uh, and that's going to be Sam Griffin. So Sam Griffin against Detroit Mercy had 20 points, which led to you total. And then against Central Michigan, he had 13, which tied with – who else had 13? Not Keyshawn. Yeah, no, it was Keyshawn. So I think one thing that I've been really impressed, and I know – part of it is we haven't talked about because we haven't done player of the week at all yet this season. I feel like Griffin is a much better defensive player this year than he has been in years past. And that's not, I think too much because in years past he was a defensive liability. Like you look at it, you look at his defensive plus minus last year, minus one, two years ago, minus 2.3 this year it's 0.8 so it's you know the fact that it's positive <laughs> i think is is a huge and so i think just like i he's been especially this last week i think he kind of like you know was our top shooter in the loss uh you know unfortunately it, it is a loss but you know had highest offensive rating so it wasn't for you know lack of you know trying to put the offense on his back uh, you look at his he had six defensive rebounds he had five assists no turnovers like when he wasn't scoring he was moving the ball around he was making points happen then you switch to this next this last game you know only three rebounds led the team with three threes 13 points like I said a couple like three steals I, I don't know I just I feel like Sam Griffin is a little bit more well-rounded this year i think he just he has more impact overall than i think he did last year where it, whereas like last year i felt like he was just a pure like shooter and if he wasn't shooting there wasn't a ton that was happening whereas you know only 13 points but he still had 100 offensive rating he was still getting things done like he is a i just yeah well-rounded i don't know how many ways i can say that i guess (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i mean he's he's clearly our best player this season right celibonga most consistent i would say but highest ceiling absolutely sam griffin uh the thing that you know maybe would surprise you uh if you haven't been paying attention the the person who leads us in three-point percentage is not sam griffin and he's not even in second place either he's in third at 35 percent on the year of people who actually take a meaningful amount of threes uh number two Tim Dalger, who that would have absolutely blown my mind, had this, you know, before the season, and we talked about that a little bit before, but, like, he has consistently been making them. He's shooting 38.5% from three, and he's taken a good amount of threes this year, so it's no longer surprising me, and that is a big bump uh, from last year. That was not a thing he did last season. Number one, Brandon Betson shooting over 40%. He's at 43% on the year. The team overall shoots pretty decently from three. You're at 33.3% from the three-point line uh, from three. Uh, so far this season, and that is generally good. You want to, the general consensus that I hear these days is you want to pretty much like to be a really good team. You're at 35% from three point line. You get above that. It's gravy, right? You're that's, that's a really, really good. You want to be above 35, right? Uh, if to be a, a, a good team. So we're not there. And that makes sense. We're not, you know, we're three and six playing a relatively weak schedule. We're not a good team. Um, However, we're not that far off in terms of shooting the three ball. The size, you can't really fix this year. We we don't have the size. We've got some guys who are trying to make it happen, but we just don't have the physical traits uh, on that side of the ball uh, to to make that to make that work. But we're almost there in terms of shooting threes. 33.3%, just a little bit under where we want to be, and I wouldn't be surprised if we do, by the end of the year, get to, get to that number because I think we have the talent to get there. Pritchard has taken some threes. He's not shooting the three ball well, 26% from the three-point line. I bet that will go up as we go on. BB Knight is a good three-point shooter, but hasn't taken very many. And he's he's been playing a little bit more over time, so we might see more of him. So I think that gives you another data point as to why that percentage might go up as a team. So we'll see. Um, but that's that's where we're at in terms of those guys. Cool. Uh, we've got one game this next week um, before – I think we've got one more game after this, but that's like next Wednesday, and that's our final non-conference game of the year. And that the the one we've got this week is number 362. At least as of uh, a couple hours ago before apparently Ken so, Pomp did another round of updates. <laughs> still correct. Still correct. Okay, that's good. Uh, 362. Let me remind everybody. 362. There are 363 Division One basketball teams. That means Mississippi Valley State at number 362 is the second worst basketball team in the country, according to Ken Pomeroy. And only IUPY uh, is worse than them, according to old Ken Palm. So this has to be a win. This is a home game on Friday at seven o'clock, right? Friday night. Again, no idea what Nikita's injury status is, but he's been out for the last few games. So, you know, you, you can beat these guys. Like if you lose this game at home on a Friday in front of what is hopefully a decent crowd, because it's Friday night, that is not good. Because like you said, uh, or like we said already, we only have one more game um, after this one, before conference play starts, unless there's another one after this. Let me, uh, let me double check.
1: No. Yeah. We- no, the only one left is oh, Loyola yeah. Marymount.
0: Yeah. 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 So one more game after this before conference play starts, we are right on the doorstep of starting conference play here. Cannot lose this game. Shouldn't probably won't, but can't, it cannot happen. It, that is, that would kill That would kill us.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like especially the lower teams in the Southwestern athletic conference, like, they are expecting to lose like go winless in their non-conference schedule. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm pretty sure they only play away games because that's how they like fund their program. Um And so like Southwestern athletic conference, that is the like historic historically black college university, like Jackson state. We already played um, earlier this year. Mm. And so like, they will pretty much only play away games in non-conference. I think Mississippi Valley state has played one home game and they won that one. So <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, yeah, we absolutely should not be losing this game. And if we do, Oh boy.
0: I mean, like, look there, at, yeah, I just, issues. I just pulled up their schedule on Ken here and look at their, their, their conference schedule. Like you said, the swack. not a good, not a good league, but even in that league where, Almost every team is below number 250. There are like a couple, their grambling stays at 236. And I think that might be the best team in the league. They are still supposed to go winless in this, in this conference, according to Ken not go, not go winless, you know, but projected wins and losses, right? They're projected to lose literally every game. The chances that they actually lose all those, not very high. They'll probably win a couple of them, but this is not a good team. So I don't know anything about them, but just based on what computers are telling me, no way we should drop this one at home, especially. Wichita State just played them uh, today, like tonight, as, as we as we I think right when we started recording that game ended and wow. they beat him by 23 on the road. So we should win this game.
1: Amazing. So Mississippi Valley State, when they beat North Alabama, they were projected to lose that game by seven. So Ken Palm actually had them like for every one of their games. They were favored to lose <laughs> yeah. this season, like not just I mean, the conference yeah. like every game.
0: Well that not just conference makes, makes sense, sense yeah. because like look at the, they're playing some they're playing some legit teams in uh in the non-conference here like I know, they got, but like they're playing
1: 3-14 at home oh, yeah. and
0: you're like okay like maybe that one they're projected to lose it's <laughs> yeah. like nah
1: they were projected you know they had a 58% chance or 60% chance of losing that one still so, oh my gosh yeah it's just kind of wild not yep. to not to like not trying to trash on them by any means just we need we we have to win,
0: yeah. No no doubt about it. So don't know much about them, uh, but that should be a win for sure. So that should put us at four and six going into Loyola Marymount, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. I, again, conference play starts on December twenty eighth, and that is unfortunately against uh now num- well what what is still number one in the AP Houston, who just lost but is now number two in Ken Palm Houston, um, and that'll be a tough <laughs> tough kickoff to conference play. Yeah, it's at home. I'm not worried. We always beat Houston at home. It's true. Except last year. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? Oh, yeah. We true. almost did last year. Very true. All right. Uh, let's keep it moving to women's basketball here. Um, the summary is 2-0 and last week. Uh, we are 8-2 and now on the season, number 77 in the net rankings. Which I'm pretty sure is the exact number we were at last week as well. So, oh, no Ryan, movement in the net.
1: It's It's changed since your last note when i what checked is? we were we were 74 in the net rankings
0: uh oh like currently you just looked at it yeah yeah damn how is everything changing within like 2 <laughs> i literally took these notes 2 hours ago
1: i don't know why they change maybe they change literally after every game i would have of exu- assumed it was just a um in the morning kind of thing
0: i know kenpom does it like every game you know or at least every few, you know they they update that stuff very often i figured the net being like more tied to the NCAA would do it like once a week or something.
1: That is. Yeah. I I see our current rank is 73 actually.
0: Oh no, no, no. I see us at, no, I still see us at 77. Where are you, where are you looking?
1: Uh, On D1 women's basketball net rankings.
0: Oh, I know what happened. I have (laughs) a, I have the net, I have the net bookmarked. I have the net net rankings bookmarked, but it has the, in the top, in the top left, you set the date and it has that date bookmarked on my net oh my gosh that's so frustrating how do i set it to just so i just it's want it always to be the latest
1: because you're literally looking at the same one is that what
0: we just discovered yes no that's what i'm saying i was looking at last <laughs> week's net rankings because that's what my bookmark is gotcha oh my gosh uh, that is that's infuriating how do i how the hell how do you i just, need, I need to change refresh th- the page no refreshing the page does nothing it just reloads <laughs> the date
1: yeah i, I don't know then
0: <laughs> oh well anyway <laughs> <laughs> that means I got uh that means I definitely got our uh our our men's net ranking wrong too, because I guarantee you that same thing happened. It did. I'm on I'm on December 5th. So let's go to the twelfth. Where are we at in the in the net for the men? Live update. 236. What did I say? Two thirty five?
1: Two thirty two, I think.
0: No, I said two thirty five, just look back my notes. Okay. So we have dropped one spot over the last week. Um God, wow, that's so annoying. I'm gonna have to remember to do th- I'm just gonna have to unbookmark it. So I look it up fresh every day. God, that sucks. Anyway, uh, yeah, back to women. Um, we are number seventy four in the in the net rankings, Great. not number seventy seven, and eight and two overall. Uh, two and zero last week. Beat number two hundred ninety. I mean, all these numbers are wrong. Don't even listen to any of my numbers because these are all based on <laughs> a week ago's rankings. Anyway, we beat a bad Prairie View A and M team, and we beat almost an equally bad Central Arkansas team. So the easy schedule continues, kind of, for the women's team. However, we do have number t- number twenty two kansas on deck which spoiler that is where maya mayberry's younger sister wyvette transferred to in the offseason so we are going to have a maya mayberry showdown versus her younger sister wyvette mayberry against a ranked kansas team when we are eight and two that is awesome i will definitely be watching that game very excited
1: yeah i mean what nine and oh kansas versus eight and two TU? this is gonna be this is like must watch so i will Absolutely, be turning in. I really think so. These last two games, I feel like we really saw Delaney Crawford kind of just break out. Uh, totally. She led all. I she led scoring for the uh, Prairie View, and then I believe I don't know if
0: she led. I think Tamara Poindexter led for the she central did. Arkansas. Uh,
1: but Delaney was right behind her. If I remember correctly. Yeah. 16 for shot... Crawford,
0: 21 for Poindexter against central Arkansas.
1: Yeah. Crawford. What, how many three, she made a ton of threes too. I mean, we shot 15 from 26 from three against, uh, central Arkansas, which makes sense. I mean, we won 91 to 52 or something like that. Like uh, yeah, 95, mostly... 51, but yeah,
0: yeah I mean, I yeah. Look at those I three just... point numbers. Four for five. This is Crawford four for five from three point line against central Arkansas. And then two for five against Prairie View, not bad. Yeah.
1: And so, I mean, you look back. I was talking about, you know, last week we talked about the game against, um, or like two weeks ago probably, we talked about Long Beach State where we shot three for 30. Like absolutely not what we do. This is normal. I feel like, you know, shooting 16, uh, whatever (laughs) I literally just said, that has now slipped my mind, 16 for 26. 15. 15 for 26. Yeah. Like that's what I expect. And so, uh, not hundred percent sure what Kansas, what kind of style they play. But I mean, Kansas is a basketball school, whether or not it's men or women's, I feel like. And so this could be a very fun game. I'm really hoping like, it's just going to be a shootout of a game. Hopefully they're
0: not a big team. That's uh, bad news for you, Matt. Bad news. Yeah, we'll, man, we'll get to, we'll get to the Kansas preview in a second, a couple more things on, on this week. Um, but yeah, uh, and a couple other notes just on the, the two nice wins this week. Um, you mentioned Crawford already. Awesome stuff from her. Poindexter had great games, both games as well. Um, the I think the notable thing from this week is we saw a lot of, in terms of minutes and production, freshman guard Array Young. She had big games in both of these, scored in double figures in both games. Um, those, that is big stuff. Seven rebounds and 12 points against Prairie View. And then Central Arkansas, uh, let me pull up her number here, Um, not okay. Eight points against them, almost double figures, eight points against, uh, against central Arkansas there. So really good games from her. And she got serious minutes in both, um, Prairie view. She played 28 minutes and central Arkansas, she played 24. So she's getting starter minutes in there. And I know, you know, you look at the central Arkansas game. We beat them by so much. A lot of players got a lot of minutes like Hadley Perryman had 21. Caroline Lyles had 24. Um, and that, you know, so maybe you look at that and think, well, it's just because we were up by so much. Look at Prairie View. We only won that game by five. It was close, lots of that game. And Array Young had 28 minutes and almost nobody else outside of the starting starting five like played any kind of meaningful time. Everybody else played less than 10 minutes. And then you've got Array Young playing 28 and all the starters playing around 20 or more. So big stuff. I mean, Array Young looking looking pretty good. Like She might be a, a central figure of this team now.
1: Yeah, the one thing that I am still trying to figure out, do you recall what game... Caitlin Lovings got hurt in or yeah.
0: um, so this was a guess. Cause I actually don't know if it was an injury or something. My guess is it was an injury. Cause she played like five minutes of this game, but against South Carolina state, I was going to bring this up during the recap. Cause I had the same thought. I was like, where did our rebounding go? Cause she was, she's six, three Arizona state transfer. That was, that was what she was bringing to the table. Also scoring. Um, but yeah, she, I assume, you know, playing so few minutes against South Carolina state and that being her last game, must have gotten hurt in that one, and that sucks, right? Because she came with NELP basically one year after. You know, She was stuck around at Arizona State for an extra year and then came here. 6'3", our our biggest player, arguably could have been our best rebounder. I don't know what her injury was, if it was an injury, or how bad it is. So I know absolutely nothing about the severity of this thing, but that is when she stopped playing, at least.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that hurts because you look at the game right after that then would have been Duquesne um, and I know, you know, rebounding definitely hurt us. And so kind of explains a little bit where, you know, we lost a big source of our rebounding and, you know, player that we were counting on. And so as much as like that might explain part of it, unfortunately. Yeah. True. Uh
0: okay. Um, player of the week. Uh, do you want to start with this one for the women's side? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. already mentioned her
1: name, Delaney Crawford. Uh, Talked about, you know, she shot lights out in uh, a game and just took over the prairie view. And so, you know, I think she was already, you know, you look last year, she was one of our two freshmen, like all AAC freshman team. Uh, It was her and Poindexter. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to see the combination of like, I think she had been kind of a little quieter in the start of this season, just with non conference, and then you know, I think just kind of exploding on the scene these last two weeks, ex- especially. I mean, leading us, leading the team in scoring with this roster is you know, you're, you've got to be a good player. There are a lot of scorers on this team, and so you know, 19 points on two of five, seven rebounds, um, five assists again, like led the team in assists, led the team in points. Like, so, you know, you combine the two, led the team in points made and points created. So huge performance against Prairie View. And then you look at, you know, Central Arkansas, five for seven. Uh, Not that's, yeah, five for seven from three. Um, Yeah, right. Why am I... Four for five. I don't. Where, where did I get the five from seven? I don't. <laughs> six. I combined the six from seven overall with the four from five, and then did whatever. Nice. Uh, yeah. So four for four from five for three, uh, tied Maya Mayberry. May, May, no. it's, it's, <laughs> it's like struggle. eleven o'clock my time. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, tied Maya Mayberry for uh, most threes in the game. Second most points on the team. Again, five rebounds. Not as many assists this time. Um, but you know, everybody was just generating their own points this game. And we, we had a 21, a 16, a 14, a 12, like so many people were playing. And I mean, she did all of that in 19 minutes. So,
0: yeah, I don't have much to add. She, she certainly looks like the player of the week to me as well. So I'm going with her too. And not only did she lead the team in scoring that game, but she is the second leading scorer, uh, on the team right now uh, overall, like for, uh, through the whole season, Tamir Poindexter is at number one scoring 15 points a game on average Delaney Crawford right behind her at 11.2, Maya Mayberry, right, right after her at 11.1. So those are your top three and Crawford is a sophomore, right? Just like Tamir Poindexter are two leading scorers right now, both sophomores, Maya Mayberry, Maddie Biddle, the older guys, you know, they're, they're doing well, but the two, at least in scoring percentage, um, Those two are sophomores, which is pretty cool. Tamara Poindexter's three-point percentage way down so far this year. Twenty-five percent from three so far. She shot thirty-two percent last season. So we'll see what happens. Uh, But looking pretty good uh, in terms of the team in general, and especially the younger the younger players.
1: Okay. See just how many points we score on average a game. Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, 76 and holding our opponents to 57.1. Like nice. I say, <laughs> almost a 19-point scoring margin. Damn, Let's yeah, that is awesome.
0: All right, looking forward, uh, we've got a couple games coming up over the next week. Uh, one really big one, one that should absolutely be another win. Um, the first one is on the road. We mentioned it already, going to number 22 and number 29 in the net as of last week. Check my math on what the numbers are these days. Uh, but Kansas. Going on the road to Kansas, mentioned already. Wyvette Mayberry, my Maya Mayberry's younger sister, is there. She is a starter. She is the fourth leading scorer for the Kansas Jayhawks, playing about twenty-eight minutes a game on this one. Matt, you were worried about size. Sad to tell you, their best player, their leading scorer, six-foot-six senior oh, Tiana wow. Jackson. She is hitting sixty-six percent of her two-pointers, and that's all she shoots. And she is averaging 15 points a game and 11 rebounds per game. So averaging a double-double. She's 6'6". She's a senior. Don't see us getting around that one, unfortunately. They do have other talent, obviously. Wyvette Mayberry doing pretty well. Um, She's like fourth on the team in three-point percentage. Their best three-point shooter is Zakiya Franklin, another senior. Currently shooting 44% from the three-point line. 6'6 center. Going to be a hell of a task. I I don't I don't see us winning that one unfortunately. That is like that is the number one way to beat us is just have an absolute wrecking ball who makes all of her shots in the center and try to stop that somehow with Tulsa's defense. Like it'll be fun to watch. Maybe we'll come up with something creative to try to do. Um but it's even if you, you know, double team her like 75% of the time, they have enough talent on the outside to bury you from the three point line. So scared of this That's game.
1: My so my strategy is just let her Score or let her shoot so that they don't take any threes. <laughs> you know, say she makes sixty six percent of her shots. You know, and she shoots. You know, I don't know a hundred times. That's way too many. Uh, <laughs> that would be points. <laughs> points. Yeah. Uh, let's say she shoots fifty. Man, you're not making <laughs> me feel better about this game. <laughs> let's let her shoot fifty times. She makes 60, 66 of them. You know, they score sixty six points. We shoot forty percent from three. We shoot, you know, sixty times, or you know, whatever. Do the math. I don't, I'm not going to do the quick math here, <laughs> even though I'm a math guy. But we can win somehow, some way, doing just that.
0: Yes, we only shoot threes. They only shoot twos. That's how it goes. You know, you just got to make the same percentage of them, or, or even less, and you'll be fine. Exactly. I'm with you. All right, so that's the strategy—just rain threes. Honestly, we would not be surprised if that is kind of the plan. Just like launch the three ball, and you got to shoot well from three. We did. I mean, so the thing I mean, is, you like, have
1: to because you know not only is she oh is yeah go- making sixty six percent of her shots. I mean, she's a six six wall in front of the basket. Like, that's gonna be hard totally for anybody on our team to try and get through.
0: Yeah. I mean, no doubt. I look at her, uh, I'm just pulling up the the Kansas stats again. Um guess who blo- who guess who leaves them in blocks? Surprise, surprise, it's her. She has three three blocks a game. We not be surprised if she gets quite a few uh against us. So definitely scary. Um I mean, you I was hoping sometimes we will have a bad shooting game and then we'll come back and we'll just light the net on fire from 3 and that's like to an extent kind of what happened this past week. We shot 28% from three point line against Prairie View A&M. Came back and almost shot 60% from three against Central Arkansas. Kind of hoping it would have gone the other way, so it would be coming off the bad shooting game going into Kansas and arguably be, you know, make the argument that maybe we'll bounce back and light them up. Uh, so we just got to get two in a row now. So there you go. So that will be a tough one. Kansas is going to be a tough, tall task. Um, that is what, – what time is that game? Let me pull up the schedule again. Uh, 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 Kansas game is out on Friday at – 6 p.m., which I think that's probably showing my time. So my guess is that Friday at 5 p.m. Um, or 7 p.m. Uh, Central time. So there you have it. And that is at Kansas. Uh, it is on ESPN+. Plus. So if you do have ESPN+, Plus, which you should as an American conference person, you can watch that game.
1: You can go straight from watching that game to then watch the men's game right after because I think the men play at 8. So you can nice. you know, just double screen it.
0: Double screen it for, uh, for a half, half, and then you'll be good yep. to go. Yeah. Cool, uh, we do have one other one other game um, coming up this week that is a home game versus northwestern state who is much 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 worse uh, than Kansas. They are one of the worst teams in women 's college basketball don 't know anything about them aside from that, uh, so that should be another win, but i don 't really have anything else to say on that game. Yeah, uh, we I'm do have one other non conference the... game after after northwestern state that's Texas Southern, and then they also get into conference play after that.
1: I am currently looking at the women 's basketball roster or trying to for northwestern state just to is see that? what their oh,
0: size is. <laughs> yes northwestern state by the way um i can tell you how how much they've jumped in the last week because i have a note on their last week they were number 330 in the net last week live as we speak uh with the current information they're number 299 so quite a jump in net rankings for northwestern state over the past uh, seven days they do have a six six center we're playing two uh, six six centers in the same week. What in the but, hell? Yeah,
1: but she is a freshman, so. Okay. Good sign. Good sign. That's yeah. good. And then their their next is like, um, six three.
0: So. Okay. Nice. All right, we can handle that, I'm sure. Especially since they're number two hundred ninety whatever in in the net, so should be good. Should win that game. Kansas is the big one, obviously. That'll be a fun one. Oh, they play in Nacho Toches. That's where. Uh, Oh yeah, Brandon Rochelle. Yeah, yeah. How did he? Uh, I'm trying to think how you actually say that city. It was that's how I always said it, but he says like I think it's just like Natchez. It's or uh, Natchez. it's like it's it's like two syllables, but it looks like it should be four. All right. All right. Okay, we're gonna
1: have to do like the the Yukon, um, whatever thing we did back in the day.
0: I don't. Uh, I'm vaguely remember there, there, there
1: was like a city where we listened to it over. Oh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. What was that? Okay. So there's. Here's how do locals pronounce it uh Nacogdoches.
0: Nacogdoches. Nakadish Nakadish that's what it was Nacadish. it was Nakadish
1: Yeah there's Nakadish or Nacogdoches, but I think okay. most of them pronounce Nakadish
0: Yes that is what that is what I've heard him say so that is that's how I know it Funny I don't remember what the Yukon thing was we got to figure that out
1: I know it was like where do Yukon
0: Women's Basketball Arena. It's like, where do they play? Is that what it was? It was where their arena is?
1: No, because the arena's in stores. It's like, yeah, women's basketball tournament. It was like some tournament in like.
0: Maybe it was like the AAC tournament, in like 2017 or something. AAC Women's. Basketball tournament 2017.
1: All right, we're checking. We're checking that that was in
0: yeah I found Uncasville. It. Uncasville. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. 2017.
1: <laughs> nice. Because we kept saying Uncasville.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. We had the little audio clip of the robot saying <laughs> or dead. whatever. It's like a YouTube thing. Oh uh, man. man, back to season one. Good stuff. Throwback. We got to find that episode and uh, put it in the show notes or something. Go listen. Good stuff. Very nice. Okay. What a throwback to memory lane right there. All right. Back to business. Last thing before we call this one an episode here, at least for everything I've got in my notes. Um, Quick look around the league in the last week. There were some huge games in the American Conference in terms of basketball this past week. We'll start with the biggest one. Biggest one of the week was number one, Houston. They were number one every category. Ken Palm, the AP, the net, everything. Hosting. Number eight, Alabama. Pretty sure this is the first time, I, I think I heard, first time in Houston basketball history they have hosted a top 10 team at their home arena. So, cool. I mean, it was packed there. I watched part of this game. I couldn't watch the whole thing. Massive amount of energy there. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you're looking at this game, Houston did not win. They lost, unfortunately. And it was close. I mean, they it was close all game. Alabama, you know, I think the final score was like a six-point differential or something like that. Um, but it was close all game. They just kind of pulled away near the end with fouls and and whatever. And it was very weird, right? They were extremely meh, like not inspiring games from the two best players on each team. Houston, Marcus Sasser, their best player had nine points on two of 11 shooting in this one. Not great. Alabama's best player, Brandon Miller leads them in scoring Uh, high big time, you know, NBA draft prospect. Eight points on 0 for 8 shooting. Didn't hit a field goal in this game. All his points were free throws. So, like, the two headlining features of this game just didn't show up. Uh Everybody else mostly did. It was just weird that those two didn't. And they lost the game. Houston gave up. I think the stat was 17 points in the final four minutes of this game. And that is just not something that happens to Houston defenses. They are have always been, under Kelvin Sampson, extremely good defensive teams. And to blow, like... To allow Alabama to just rain it on you for the last four minutes of this one. And Houston was scoring as well. It wasn't like it was a 17 0 run, but like Houston doesn't give up that many points. I would just, that that was one of the bigger shocks to me of, of everything that happened in this game. So they drop. Houston falls from number one in Kenpom to number two. Guess who's number one now? It is our former conference foe, the UConn Huskies. They are number one in Kenpom, man. 11 0. I mean, not. I, I, I'm surprised. I mean, I'm not, not surprised that they're a good team. And they, it does feel like, obviously, they more belonged in the Big East. They wanted to get back there for years. So I'm glad that they're back there. But the fact that they got back to this level so fast or, like, are at this level at all surprises me. I mean, they are Clearly, the American
1: amazing. was just holding them back. Like, no other American team can top Ken Palm.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah obviously yeah just very just very weird that whole situation was was weird hard to imagine though that like if UConn was still in the american they would have gotten back here maybe they would have but like in the big east obviously you're closer home you're closer to your home market you're recruiting there you're playing other teams around there stuff like that so it makes sense for them i get it but it's just this happened faster than i would have thought for sure that they like they look they look amazing so there you go UConn yeah, The husky huskies take number one it is unfortunate agreed uh, so that was the biggest one of the week, no doubt. Um, the other ones were that were notable, SMU playing TCU, always fun. I don't know if they also call it the iron skillet in basketball. I'm sure they do, probably. I don't know, maybe not. Um, but SMU lost, unsurprising. I just wanted to bring it up because that's a rivalry game, but SMU um, is still very bad. Cincinnati lost to Xavier in another rivalry game, the Crosstown shootout there, close one, 80-77. Since he was up a lot of this game, probably should have won it. Uh, would have been a nice win for West Miller there, but couldn't pull it off. So Cincinnati loses that rivalry to Xavier. Um, here's finally a win in the American column here, and that is Memphis taking down number eleven in the AP Auburn by nine, eighty-two to seventy-three. Controlled this game from start to finish. Nice win for the Tigers. They are eight and two now. Wins over number eleven Ken Palm headlining win of oh, did they lose tonight? I forgot they they were so that they were playing Alabama. Three
1: point three-point loss they almost followed up the auburn win damn going on the road and beating alabama but that would have been insane
0: yeah what was the
1: final 91 88 91 oh my god
0: what a high score jesus christ yeah
1: that is wild second half both teams had 55 points oh my god
0: yeah oh my gosh yeah that game was happening It, it was probably still happening while we were going at the beginning here Um, I forgot. So eight and three now Memphis Tigers, man, that is, I mean, not surprising because Alabama is hot, right? They're, they're looking really good. Um, obviously just beat Houston at their home court, but man, I mean, Memphis right there with them. So it's like Houston, Memphis, man, looks like, looks like they're going to be the clear, you know, probably conference championship game at the end of the season this year. They're both looking really good. So Memphis eight and three, um, they've got wins over Auburn and like six top 100 Ken Palm teams. They have not played an easy schedule to get to the eight and three record. They are genuinely a good team so you know penny hardaway is annoying and kind of weird but he's got a good team this year and they are very old i think we talked about it before this is the first time that they haven't relied on like at least three freshmen in their starting lineup almost everybody is a big like a senior or a junior and some of them are transfers so like new to the program but they're not new to college basketball right that makes a difference and that's what it seems like was the missing piece it's nice when you get the tran- like the best player in the conference to transfer to your
1: team. Like, <laughs> yeah. Definitely
0: yeah, man. Lost. I saw uh, John Morant was tweeting at Kendrick Davis. Um, so whenever – I mean, that, that's that's pretty sweet to get uh, that going. Yeah, so they're – obviously, they're looking really good. So, yeah, lost to Alabama, not surprising, um, but cool that they played it close and, and made that a game. I'm sure, that obviously, they would have preferred the win, but solid effort from yeah. them. Well, and it's obviously um, –
1: it's, it's the Frank Haith effect. Like, they're so good this yeah. year because Frank Haith joined the staff.
0: True. I sometimes forget that he's there, and I'm probably going to forget until again until we like do the preview of the Tulsa Memphis game, and then I'm like, oh my god, we're going to be watching him on the sideline, like sitting over there. Oh, it's gonna be weird. Oh well, that was pretty much it. Uh, the only other one I had was Wichita State playing Mississippi Valley State because we play them this coming week, um, but we already mentioned that they won by 23 uh, in that one, and that was it. So fun week in AAC basketball, and I think we got some other big games coming up this week too. So it should be another fun week, but that is all for that. And that is all I have in my notes. So unless Matt, you've got anything else, we can wrap it. Nope. Nothing from me. Okay. Awesome. We will close it down there then. Thank you everybody for listening to the show. Make sure if you're not already follow or subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, while you're doing that, drop us a rating and or a review while you're there really does help. If you do that, We do all this for free. If you want to support us in any way, you can do that. We've got four different ways to do it. Go to our website, slash support, to find all those ways. And finally, you can find us on Twitter at goldenhurricast or send us an email to thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com if you want to connect with us in some way online. That is it. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you probably next week. It's getting close to Christmas time. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll be, uh, eh, yeah, we could probably do over the weekend. But yeah, anyway, sorry for the, uh, the distraction there. We will probably talk to you next week. Stay golden.